0: How's everybody's week? Right? I mean, any, any, uh, any stressful things happen over the week? I mean, trying to think if anything was, anything newsworthy that went on. Um, I'm trying to, th- right, there was there's something about an election and uh, how unified the country is and how all together we are. And then there was that thing with the schools, right? Cherry Creek parents, any news come out from Cherry Creek? Maybe not shocking, but we were certainly waiting for the shoe to drop, and it did on Thursday. And, uh, you know, you just kind of add that on to everything else that's going on in the world. And so you're sitting down. Your kids are probably okay. So if you haven't taken the opportunities in the last week to just take a breath, this is your opportunity. I don't know if you feel kind of caught up in that craziness. I certainly do. I feel overwhelmed. I feel tired. I feel pretty exhausted. I feel stressed out, wondering what my family's going to do to navigate this new situation that presents itself. And so this week, I've just been meditating, sitting in, drinking in as much as I can Jesus's words to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You know this verse, maybe you've even recited it, you might have it memorized, maybe not the reference, but it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? Weary and burdened, they're just words that resonate with me. Any, anybody else, or is it just me? This is a weary season, is it not? They're just burdens that just keep getting added on and added on, and I have to remind myself that Jesus says, hey, you don't have to carry all of that. My burden is light and easy, he goes on to say. There's a refreshing for your soul if you read this verse in the message. And so my encouragement to you is the encouragement I've been giving to myself, which is just depend on the promises that he gives us like they're living water to you. He uses that reference multiple times, but there's this time, this space, this opportunity that we can step away from our weariness and our burdens and simply come to him and be grateful for that thing that he's been giving us. We've been talking about that for about four weeks now. This is week four in our series, Thankful. We've been building up to Thanksgiving to say, okay, let's talk about the things that we're going to say at the dinner table at Thanksgiving, right? Let's have something to be thankful for. So we give gratitude journals, right? How's your homework going? Every day, you're writing in your gratitude journal, and then when you show up to church, you feel shame for not writing in your gratitude journal, and then you try again tonight, and that's okay. That's part of the process, right? But the point there is that cultivating this daily habit of gratitude can change your life. I've been able to hear some great stories from families talking about this around the dinner table, having the same conversation that we are, right? Some kids are like, I've been doing it every day. It's so meaningful, and I love it. Other kids and parents are going, oh, I might have forgotten a day or, day or two in there, but uh, we'll get back on it, and it's just great to hear some of the positive stories. Again, what we're trying to do is to cultivate this habit among us of things that we're grateful for so that we can have that perspective in our lives, and that actually rewires our brain. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And so in the midst of this gratitude and thankfulness conversations, right, we have this past week Right? We have elections with tensions on high alert, both sides of the aisle. Nobody, I think, quite feels at peace with all of this, at least not if you care about the person on the other side of the aisle. Whether your candidate won or is winning or isn't winning, it's just a tense environment. Right? And then there's schools, and then there's COVID on top of that, and then we just have the normal stressors of life. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it just feels like it's all piling on. So how do we have gratitude and thankfulness in the midst of everything that's going on in the world today? Because newsflash, if you don't know this already, the the calamity and the chaos that's going on out here, it it drips into our soul, doesn't it? it? It begins to go into a deeper level. It begins to penetrate. It's not just on the news cycle. It's not just on the surface. It's not just our physical world. It's our spiritual worlds as well. Are you with me this morning? Is this true? I'm not alone in this, right? Otherwise, this will just be a great therapy session for me, and y'all can listen in. But the reality is that I'm guessing that's, that's, why, that's a piece of why you're here today, right? Whether you're joining online, whether you came in to worship this morning, that there's something about your soul that you may not explicitly say, but you're going, there's something that I need, something to speak into my life and into my heart. I have to stop the craziness that's going around. Maybe you're seeking rest from your burdens. Maybe you're seeking a breath, a perspective, something, anything that can pull your eyes up above the water and onto the God who is bigger than any and all of this, which is really good news because you're here, because you came, because you have the opportunity to lay down some of those weights and those burdens and just hear what Jesus will give you, to hear the rest that is present. If you want to know the specifics of that, go back to week two. We talked specifically about what that rest looks like, but maybe you're sitting here right now trying to tune into something life-giving. Maybe for you it was worshiping, right, and just praising God together with people. Maybe that was a nice reset for you. Maybe that's a dependency that you have in your week. Maybe you're a people person and just like seeing people you know today is the most life-giving thing for you and that's why you're here. Maybe you got to come on Friday and hang out with us and just being in community with people was water that your soul needed. Or maybe you're here, and if you're honest, you're still anxious, right? You're worried about your kids, you're trying to control everything, you're getting ready for the list that's waiting for you at home, just outside of those doors for this week's plan as your family adjusts to the school changes, and perhaps you find yourself wondering where that rest of God is. Maybe you're hungry for it, desperate for it even, but you're unable to see it, to latch onto it, to drink it in. Today, I want us to talk about grace. Specifically, the grace that God gives to us, and the grace that we then extend to others. The the verse that's been on my heart this week is Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen. Here's how the author there puts it: He says, "Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need." Is anyone in a time of need this morning? I'm I'm in a time of need, right? I need more of God. I need the grace that he's speaking about. I need the mercy that he's speaking about. And the good news that scripture says is that there's grace available in your time of need. Are you in a time of need this morning? Grace is unmerited favor. We've talked about these definitions before, right? Grace is an undeserved gift that is given. It's not out of obligation nor to satisfy a debt. Grace is over and above. It's extravagant. It's a gift because I love you and I was thinking about you. Right? Not only does the scripture say that grace is available, it says that the kingdom that God rules, that he sits on a throne of grace. That the place where God rules from, what he extends himself onto, the place that he finds himself residing is in the place of grace. Right? In God's kingdom, God is Oprah, right? You get grace. You get grace. Everybody gets some we're going to have fun. I'm going to have fun today. Whether you have fun or not, I don't even care, right? But that's not all, Pat, right? Tell them what else they've won. You don't just get grace. What else do we get? It says you get to receive mercy, right? Now, mercy is not getting what we actually deserve, right? Mercy is the restraint of a punishment. It's not collecting of a debt that is owed, right? Mercy is forgiveness. Mercy is the executioner's axe, not swinging, Psalm 103 puts these ideas together as well. Verses 8 through 10 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Here, forgiving and gracious. Slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. God says, the scripture says he sits on a throne of grace that we may receive mercy, not treating us as our sins deserve, removing our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Right? Look, we know that the wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned. So fair is the last thing that we want in exchange with God. What we want is mercy and grace. And at this moment in history, at this time in our lives, we are in a time of needing mercy and grace, not only for ourselves, but we need God's abounding love for the world around us. And the good news is that God sits on a throne of grace and he gives us mercy, not treating us as our sins deserve, and he gives us grace, the favor, the unmerited blessing that we could never earn. Right? This is the gospel in a nutshell. This is the effort that Jesus comes to purchase on our behalf. And there's only one small problem with this idea, and that's that it's, again, good theology, and it works in the Bible, but as we take our eyes off of Scripture and begin to survey the world around us, the landscape changes a little bit, doesn't it? Right? Where is the grace in the world right now? Where's the grace among the elections, among the hurricanes, among the division that is clearly present in our country? Where is it among the riots and the not so peaceful po- protests? Where is grace in the systemic injustice right now? If there's grace for our time of need, my question, maybe your question, is then where is it? Are, are you with me? just me feeling this way. As I survey the world, I'm going, God, I I believe this. I've staked my life on it. I've trusted you for eternity. But, But as I look around at the world, as I survey my own life, I'm going, where is the grace that is present, God? Where is the relief? Where is the unmerited favor, right? I know that God's grace is living and breathing. I know that my eternity is secure in Jesus. I am thankful for that. I see that clearly. But with my eternity secured in Jesus and the world falling apart here, doesn't Jesus have grace for here and now, right? Our hope is not just in eternity, correct? We can have hope here and now. Are you with me? So where is it? It's interesting that this verse in Hebrews, it it draws a distinction between mercy and grace. Maybe you didn't pick it up the first time we read it, but it says that we receive mercy, but we find grace, an interesting choice of words, interesting translation. We receive mercy, it's almost passive, right? God does the work and we simply accept it. We receive the forgiveness. We receive the forgiveness of our debt, the forgiveness of our sins. That's a gift given to us, but we find grace. We've got to seek it out. It's out there somewhere, but, but we have to find grace. Not that we have to work for it, right? Grace is free. There's nothing we can do to earn it, and I want to draw a distinction here. We're not talking about grace for salvation. We're talking about grace as it exists in our horizontal existence here, but we have to look to find grace. It's always there, but we have to discover it. Sometimes we don't recognize it until we start looking for it, right? Like when I was young, I discovered wheat pennies. You guys know what wheat pennies are, right? They're older pennies that have a different symbol. Am I the only coin nerd in here? That's fine, I should have brought a picture, right? But they're they're pennies that have a different symbol on them. They're called wheat pennies. And some of the wheat pennies are more valuable than a penny. Right? Like, they're made out of steel, they're from a certain age, and a coin collector will pay more than a penny for a penny, right? As a seven-year-old, this was mind-blowing to me, right? So guess what I did? You went through all your coins, right? I opened up the change drawers, I was piling out of the couch, I was trying to find the special pennies, and when I found one and I took it in, and he said, nope, sorry, just a regular penny, I went, drat, and I went back to it again until I found something that was valuable, right? Because I knew that it was valuable, I just wasn't looking for it, right? It was always in the coin jar, I didn't manufacture it, it wasn't like it wasn't there, it was always there, I just didn't know how valuable it was. See, we have innumerable graces that exist in our life, but until we mine them out, until we look for them, until we stop to actually count our blessing, then the storms of life seem more impressive. This is why we're doing gratitude journals, so that you can discover the value and the grace and the gifts that are already present in your life, because we have to look for grace to find it which is not to say that it's hidden it's not to say that god doesn't freely offer it that it isn't available it's just to say that we have to look for it to find it right and this is all over the scripture jeremiah 29:13 says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Again, notice the activity there that we have to pursue God, not because he isn't available, but it's the transformation that happens as we seek him. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says as much, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened, right? God is always present. We know this, right? Cognitively, we understand that, but in order to find grace, there's an attitude of having to seek and to knock and to ask and to pursue finding it out. And while we could apply this in innumerable ways, today in this series that will continue on, I want to focus on one, one place that we can find and experience grace in the broad spectrum that God lays before us. And I want to talk about our relationship with people, with the people that we surround ourselves, with the people that we do life with, even strangers on the streets. Now, I recognize that some of us aren't people, people right? Don't raise your hands, right? Don't point at the person next to you. But some of us aren't people, people, right? Some of us find that people need more grace, right? Like, people need an extra grace for me to put up with people, right? I don't find grace in people. I have to manufacture it. Again, don't raise your hands. No amens here, but we all know what we're talking about, right? Like, people can be difficult, right? Not like some people, but like all people at some level, right? Coworkers? Difficult. Kids? kids, plug your ears. Kids can be difficult. Now, not your spouse, right? Of course, your spouse is never difficult. You never have any issues there, right? Like everyone in our lives at some level takes an extra measure of grace. And especially now, right? COVID, election, tension, school, like my threshold for stupid people is very, very low right now, right? Don't you judge me, Christian people, right? You're there too, are you not? This is just a difficult time, right? It's like the world today with so many stressors and so many little things, normally things that I would ignore or get over become huge things because our tanks are so full of so many stressors that usually what takes a substantial amount to rattle us now kind of bubbles up to the surface. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun this morning. Again, you guys don't seem to want to have fun, but I'm going to have fun. So uh, I'm going to put some, uh, last time we did something like this, I used all my blue food coloring. So I've got green food coloring. So I'm going to put some of that in here. And uh, we're going to call this vessel your life, right? That's an easy metaphor to follow. We're going to call water, instead of it being like the positive Jesus water, like we often talk about. This is just going to be stressors of life, right? The difficult things that happen. So so school, right? We got school canceled, and and we've got election and tensions, and and then we've got work, and we've got stressors that are going on there because everybody's going remote, and and then of course there's family and in-laws and all kinds of things that just keep happening, and, and then little by little, right, our life just fills up, and what usually happens is that there's enough exiting points, there's enough church, enough God, enough friends, enough community that we begin to drain this out to make space for more life. Are you with me? But right now, with everything closed down and weird policies and how do we relate to people, we just keep getting filled and filled and filled up until we're at the very top, right? The limit of our stress point, the point where we can't take anything. And this is where the problem occurs. Because now when the person who cuts you off in traffic and you'd normally be like, he must be in a hurry, it's fine. Instead, you're like, I'm going to traffic! And you spill over, right? And when school gets canceled, you go, that's okay, I love my children. But now you're going, Badabra! and you're going work and work and remote, and this is great, and I don't have to do as much, and then, and you just start flowing over and over, right? This, for me, is just an image, right? It's, there's big, stressful things in our lives, but there's also just the little things that for some reason rattle us more than usual. Are you with me? Not just me, Right? This is just kind of the state of our world right now, the state of our lives. This is our souls, and we're full, but not in a good way. This makes us less gracious. It makes us more in need of grace ourselves. So how do we find grace? Right? Just like everything in the kingdom, it's a little backwards. Right? And here's where I want us to land today. To find grace in God's kingdom, we give grace. In order to find grace for ourselves, we give it away. In order to seek and search and to get grace, we don't just search for it and grasp on and hold it. Instead, we seek to give it out. And when we give out grace, we find that our souls have more room to receive grace and not just the stressors, right? Now again, quick disclaimer, we're not talking about God's grace, we're talking about the grace that we give here through people and individuals. God's grace is free and given to us, and God's grace enables us to give grace to others, but In order to find grace for others, we must give grace from ourselves. Here's how Scripture puts this in a number of different places. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. A little bit later on in Hebrews chapter 12, the author makes this point. He says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows to, tr- to cause trouble and defile many, right? Listen to that, right? So it's your responsibility to make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. If you're a Christ follower, if there's grace on your life, we live in community. And it's our job when we see this to go, hey man, you seem a little stressed out. What's going on? Hey, you seem like you're at capacity right now, and I don't want bitterness to grow up in your life because when we don't have grace for people, whether it's people at work, whether it's our families, whether it's coworkers, whether it's anything, when we don't have grace for people, we just spill out all of the stressors that are in our life. And so scripture says, hey, this is a community effort. Don't let anyone fall short of the grace that God has for us. Otherwise, bitterness rises up in its place. When we fail to find grace for people in their time of need, we end up letting bitterness instead of grace flow through us. And when we fail to forgive others, according in that Colossians verse, we excuse ourselves from the forgiveness that is present in Christ, right? In other words, this finding grace is an active role, and to find that grace, we have to give that grace from ourselves. And this is an unprecedented time to figure out how to do that and what that looks like. And how do I find grace for someone when my cup is already here? How do I give people the benefit of the doubt when I'm so full? When I'm so stressed out of life? Verse that just keeps coming back to me. This is one of those verses that God continually reminds me of that I have to continue to apply to myself. Is Proverbs fourteen ten? Here's here's how Proverbs fourteen ten addresses some of this stuff. It says that each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share in its joy. Each heart knows its own bitterness. That means that the things that stress me out might not be what stress you out. And you could look at the world right now and be fine, like, no, it's fine, the schools are going around. No, it's fine about the election, nothing matters, I'm okay. But to somebody else, this is what it does to them. It says each heart has its own bitterness. Each heart has its own weight that we carry. And it's not your job to judge whether or not you think I should be full of stressors or not. It's your job to seek to understand my heart because each heart knows its own bitterness. Each heart has the place where God wants to speak in, where we can be a conduit of grace. Each heart has a place where it experiences joy and it receives that draining effect that gives us more space and more capacity. Maybe the modern proverb that might be familiar to you is a quote from John Watson. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Have you heard that? Do you resonate with that? Does that feel true to you? Yeah, I'm fighting a hard battle right now. And and the growth comes in, the grace comes in, and we go, not only am I fighting a hard battle, but I recognize you're fighting a battle that's just as hard. While my soul may be here, I recognize that your soul is probably here or near here as well. Well, I recognize that my battle is overwhelming. I wonder what's going on in your life that you might also feel overwhelmed, like you're about to explode, like you're just pouring over. So the question for us as people of faith is how do we extend grace while our souls might be here, but how do we find the capacity to find grace for other people? Because when we find grace, then we get grace. And so maybe it's giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it's overlooking an offense, which could be as simple as somebody cutting you off in traffic to as major as an offense at work or at home. Maybe it's choosing to believe the best about them. Maybe it's reaching out and asking how they're doing instead of assuming the worst. Or following up on something last week. Hey, last week you mentioned some stressful stuff that was going on. How'd that resolve? How'd that go? How's that family member doing? Maybe it's going out to lunch or coffee or simply sending an encouraging text or a note, right? The point is that grace looks like caring when no one else does, It looks like stepping into someone else's shoes long enough to understand the battle that they're facing, to understand the bitterness that their soul is experiencing, and then from that place to offer grace, to offer forgiveness and encouragement, perspective, love, care and compassion, to give the little perspective of the gospel kingdom that we have. And the most pressing way that we see this and can act about it today has to do with this world of COVID, right? The world that we're living in right now. Melissa, my wife, and I have created some language that is helpful, that allows us to find ways to give grace to people right now where we all need it in the time of COVID. And the language that we've been using is simply this. Everyone is building their own barriers right now. Everybody has their own barricades, those places that are hard passes. They're trying to survive in the world. They're trying to navigate their family's health. Everyone is taking what they feel like is appropriate risks that they feel is safe for their family. And, And the reality is this, you probably don't agree with them, right? You may not agree with Cherry Creek Schools going to full remote. You may not agree that it's safe for people to gather in church. You may not agree that going to a restaurant or a grocery store or a gym makes sense. And chances are you have your own reasoning, rationale, and evidence to back up why you are choosing to live your life the way that you are right now. Now, the tendency in our divided postmodern world, the fact-based world that we live in, is to win an argument, right? We see this on Facebook, we see this on the news, we see it in our own personalities, right? Here's why it's stupid that schools are shutting down. Here's why it isn't safe for us to be going out to restaurants. Here's what makes sense and here's what doesn't make sense. But that quickly devol- dissolves devolves, devolves into you're wrong and I'm right? My facts are better than your facts, and your views are off-base because you don't understand my family, my health, my work, my situation, fill in the blank. Have you had these conversations? In your mind, at least, maybe across the dinner table when you're talking about so-and-so and why they won't make this choice or why they don't want to hang out or why they're choosing not to come to the social event. Maybe you've had it with a small group of friends, but the reality is that this conversation doesn't give people grace in their time of need, does it? It doesn't recognize the battle that we are all facing. It doesn't make us people who give grace. It makes us one more opposing voice in their life. It makes us one more thing that's adding pressure into their life. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm guilty of it. I think the way that I'm living my life is right right now. I wish everyone would come along with me and would find the reason that we live the way that we live. My safety, my worldview, right? I think I'm right. And when somebody challenges that, guess what happens? I get really defensive real quick, and I start spilling over. And when we recognize this, when we find this opportunity in people, we instead need to stop adding to the stressors that everyone is feeling and to instead recognize how do we give grace to people in their time of need because everyone right now is facing a great battle. It's true outside of COVID and outside of the elections and outside of, outside of schools shutting down, and it's even more the case right now. And here's the sad part of the message. I don't have a ton of answers for us. I haven't lived through a pandemic either, right? Right? I don't know what the answer is. I know Scripture's true, but I also know the world that I'm looking around and I'm right with you trying to figure out, so how do I wrestle these things together? And here's one thing that I've found to be true that I hope is helpful to you. It's been helpful to me. I find that when we look to give grace to people, that's when we actually find it ourselves when we take our eyes and our focus off our own stressors and step to the other side of the aisle and look at somebody else's stressors, the battle that they're facing, all of a sudden we're filled with compassion. All of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that that's what you were going through. I had no idea that this was affecting you that way, that you lost your job, that your finances were where they were, that your family is under the stress and pressure that it was. I had no idea that you were contemplating losing your job or moving away. Like I had no idea all the things that were going on inside your soul. And when we find that space to set aside our own need for grace and instead pour out, be a conduit of the grace that God has to us onto other people, our jar gets emptier too. Because we take the focus off and in giving grace to people, we find grace for ourselves. I think that's true, I'm experimenting with it, experiencing it on my own, and and I have nothing to do but to draft you into this experiment, right? So as we're doing our gratitude journals, that we have this time and space and availability, kind of my challenge to you is to answer two more questions this week as you journal. Where do you need grace? Everybody has a time of need, everyone is fighting a battle, and so my challenge to you as you journal, as you reflect, as you pray, is to name it is to go to God and to say, God, I just need some grace, right? My soul is in need right now. I'm burdened, I'm heavy, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, and to say, God, I just need your grace in this place, in this moment. My, my capacity is at its max. My, my tank is full, and God, I need your grace. And as if to answer that prayer, then I want you to pretend to prayerfully meditate as if God's answer to that is to put someone on your heart. And so the second question is this, who can you show grace to? Who can you show grace to? If the answer to you finding grace in your time of need is to find someone else who needs it, then the answer to the prayer, God, I need your grace in this situation, might be that he shows you another person. And he says, if you want grace, I want you to find grace for this person, right? The coworker who's making you mad. The, the person in your life who's just grading on you, that you need to find and understand what our kids are going through as they stare down the face of not being with their friends and their teachers. That's scary, right? Do you remember how important your teachers and your friends were in school? This is their entire life. Do we understand what they're going through, or do we just get upset because their stress adds to our stress? It's the person who cuts you off, who's obviously in a bigger hurry than you are. How do we find grace for the people around us and so find grace for ourselves? Again, this is the backwards logic of the kingdom. No way does it make sense that in order to find grace, we give grace. But all I can say is that's what's been working for me. That's what I see displayed out in the life of Jesus and in Scripture. And I don't know about you, but I'll try anything these days. Amen? I'm up for anything, God. Whatever you show me, whatever you want me to try to do, I gotta find some way to fix this, God. And so if you've got some wisdom for me in here, I'm open to it. I'll try it. So that's your challenge this week. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. We're gonna sing one more song. But as we do, I I wonder what the answer to those questions might be for your soul today. I want to invite you to take just a quiet moment here to bow your eyes. You might want to write it down on your bulletin or in a journal or on your own piece of paper, but begin the answer to those questions. God, where do I need grace? Where am I at my limit? Where am I at my capacity? God, where do I need to find you in my time of need and to boldly declare, God, I need you to show up here. God, I need help in this area, God, specifically right here, right now. I need to feel and experience the mercy and grace that you have for me. And as you speak that, as you put it out into God's presence, as your soul cries that out, then I want you to listen for how God responds. And it may not be to answer your problem. It may be that he puts a burden on you to text someone. To reach out to someone. To pray for someone. To say, hey, I was thinking about you. Could we grab lunch? To find grace in God's kingdom. We give from the grace that we've accepted. Heavenly Father, as we come together, we are mindful that this is a reality for all of us. God, we need grace. We are in a time of need. Our souls are at maximum capacity and there feels like there's no end in sight. And so, God, the only thing that we know to do is to obey scripture. So we lay our burdens down before you. We lay down those things, those places, those opportunities that we have where our cups are getting full and we simply lay them at your feet and we say, God help us. God help us navigate the transitions that are ahead of us. God help us to navigate the realities of our world. God help us as our tanks are full and we feel overwhelmed. God we are in a time of need. And while the default answer to that, God, is that I can't focus on anyone else, I've got to focus on me right now, God. Your scripture and reality and life tells us that that's not how you work. It's not how grace works. And so, God, would you give us the capacity, would you give us the energy to care for someone on the other side, to see the battle that they're facing, to see the bitterness of their soul, and to become a conduit of your grace. And as we dispense grace, we make room in our own souls for that grace to flow through us and into someone else. God, I don't claim to understand it, but I'm willing to try it because I think that you're in the midst of this conversation. And so God, would you help us to be people of grace? Would you help us to find those people who are in need and to display grace even if we don't feel like we have it right now? God, help us to believe in your word and to trust you enough to know that when we give grace, that we find it for ourselves. And as we do that, may people be engendered to your cause. May they find and see the goodness that you display. And would you help them to be the people that you've called them to be. All God's kids agreed together and said, Amen. Amen.